The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Revenue Growth Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about using MarTech tools and strategies to put more money in your business's pockets. Joining us today is Brandy Starr and Mike Geller, who are respectively the COO and President and CTO of Tegrita, which is a full-service MarTech consulting firm that enables digital marketing strategy with technology. Tegrita's remote team of experienced and innovative consultants specialize in marketing automation to support growth-minded organizations who want their growth strategies brought to life through marketing automation. Yesterday, Mike, Brandy, and I talked about how you can use MarTech as a revenue engine, and the synopsis of that episode is that when you're able to unify the flow of data, not only are you able to provide a better customer experience because you have the context and history about what happened to the customer, but you also are able to look at your data end-to-end to better target and profile your potential next customer. And today we're going to talk about how you can strategically use a MarTech audit to make sure that you're building the right stack. All right, here's the second installment of Revenue Growth Week with Brandy Starr and Mike Geller. Brandy, Mike, welcome back to Revenue Growth Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Excited to have you back on the show. Excited to talk a little bit about the MarTech audit. Now, look, we can talk about how there's a blending of marketing and sales and customer success. But in reality, if you can't get the flow of data right between all of those teams, it doesn't really matter if we're trying to be unified. And that's really where understanding what your MarTech stack is is very important because you can't fix it if you don't understand what you already have. Walk me through the process that you go through with your clients to help understand what tools you're using and where you can actually drive improvements. It's really three steps. Number one is going to be cataloging the technologies. Number two is going to be defining the use cases and then finally gathering team sentiment and scoring each of the technologies. So I understand the process where you're going to try to figure out what someone has or what a company has in terms of their tech stack, figuring out how they're using it and are they happy with it. I'm sure it's more complicated than just that. Talk to me about the process of cataloging your technology. This seems pretty self-explanatory, but you would be surprised at how challenging this process can be. 
And so the first part in cataloging the technology is making a list of everything that you own. If there's a contract for it, you put it on the list. In cataloging that, you need to identify who owns the technology, so which team, and ideally, if there's an actual person whose name can say that this is the person accountable to that, you want to identify that. You want to outline all of the keywords in terms of types of functionality. So for example, a marketing automation platform can send emails, it can handle landing pages, it can do forms. So each of those would be keywords in terms of the functionality, because later we're going to want to understand the overlap. So we call out all of those different things that it can do. And then, of course, the vendor that it comes from, the list of what it is currently integrated with. And if you have access to the contract data, how much you're paying for it and when it renews is also valuable to have in that catalog. So it's really pulling in any details that you have about what the technology is and what it can do. Where do you draw the line of what is considered a piece of MarTech technology that an organization has used? And I'll give you an example that, you know, I worked at eBay 15 years ago, and obviously the technology is a little different then, but every toolbar that I integrated, you know, that looked at SEO results, I, maybe I'm paying for it, maybe I'm outsourcing it to the company. There are tiny little pieces of software that provide point solutions for individual operators. And then there's the sort of virus type software. I'll use the example of Airtable. I introduced Airtable to a consulting client because I was used to the platform. And within six months, everyone had abandoned Excel and was using Airtable as their record to be able to sort of transfer information. What's the dividing line between this is a tool that one person's using and this is a MarTech system of record within the organization? To me, whether or not that's a MarTech tool or whether or not it's a sanctioned tool is maybe a better question. Because if there are tools used by individuals because they like the tool, but there is another tool that's quote-unquote sanctioned and approved by the organization to be used for that purpose, both of those are true and they're both serving the same end goal of supporting the specific use cases that the technology is meant to solve. So I kind of look at it that way. And when doing an audit, we want to capture not just the things that are official, but also the things that are unofficial that people are using. And that may be a little bit harder to uncover because that's less known. You have to talk to multiple people in order to get the full picture of all the technology that's being used in the organization and who manages it and who, who makes those buying decisions around renewing that technology. And that's actually a really tricky process. You know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, what are some of the tools that I use? And I run a company that's me as the only employee and then a distributed workforce around the world of, I don't know, seven or eight people. And I can think of probably 30 tools that I use personally just to do my job doing content production, billing, booking, payments. There's everything from creating the content to finding our sponsors. There's 30, if not 100 different tools that I'm using as one person. Now, all of a sudden, if I'm talking about a 15,000 person organization, we're talking potentially hundreds of thousands, millions of tools. If we're just multiplying it out. How do you go through and actually catalog what people are doing and how do you understand what their workflows are when you're working at these larger organizations? You can't really catalog everything. 
So if there's a line to be drawn, it's at the customer. Does this tool impact the customer experience, either directly or relatedly? And if it doesn't, then we don't really care about it from a MarTech standpoint. You know, just because you're using Excel or its alternative, that does not fit into a MarTech stack equation. But if you are using a different kind of chatbot that interacts differently than the one that's installed in the website, that is a problem. So does it touch the customer or does it not touch the customer? That's sort of the litmus test that's very easy to determine where the technology falls. Okay. Now walk me through when you're defining the use cases. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. How do you think of that step and how are you trying to classify the purpose of each MarTech tool that a company is using when you're going through your audit? So really in looking at the use cases, we want to focus on what is the job to be done by each technology? So what purpose is it solving within the process? And we want to make sure that as we are evaluating technologies, we are evaluating it against the job to be done. Like how effectively is it able to do the thing that we are hiring it to do? So an example of that is if we think about a car, and I like to use these really generic examples because everyone can relate to them. If I live in South Florida and I'm buying a car, the job to be done can be getting me to and from work. It can be showing off driving on the South Beach Strip. There's lots of jobs to be done. One of those is not going to be keeping me warm because generally in South Florida, it's always hot. So as we are evaluating that technology, heated seats, although a feature of the car is not going to be something that we're going to be evaluating against what the actual purpose is. And so that's the umbrella of how we look at use cases. And I'll let Mike dig a little deeper into how we define them in more real situations. Yeah. 
So focusing on the objective and deriving use cases from that would be the way to go. And it sounds obvious, I would say, but when doing a technology assessment, we tend to gravitate towards features and does the technology have this feature or does it have that feature? And I know that feature will help my use case. And that sort of leads us into this false thinking of trying to maximize features in order to align them to use case. Like the more of a platform that I use, the better the outcome is going to be. And that's simply not true. The simpler it is for you to get your job done, the happier you're going to be, the less mistakes will be along the way, the less it can go wrong. I hear what you're saying in the sense of you can go through a process of evaluating what your tools and compare them when you're defining the use case and just think about all of the options that tools have and how they can provide additional flexibility, but they might not be the most elegant solution for what you're trying to do on a daily basis. And that really gets us into talking about how your team feels about using the tools that they have, what their sediment and scoring system is. Talk to me about how you evaluate whether the tools you have are the right tools, enjoyed by your team, and what people are actually getting the most value out of. In doing an audit, I always recommend actually having conversations with those stakeholders who are involved in the technology. So included in that would be system administrators of each of the technologies, as well as power users. The people who live and breathe the different technologies and have a good insight into how effective it is for them. Because when we're looking at things, air quotes, on paper in what features functionality it has, how well those features and functionality align to the ability to meet the need, we have to think about, is it painful for the team to use? Do they find it cumbersome? really getting that sentiment. And the only way that you are going to really do that is to have conversation. In some cases, when you have a large organization, you may have way too many stakeholders to actually interview all of them. In some cases, you can leverage a survey to try and gather team sentiment to be able to give different data points. But even if you are doing some type of survey, I do still recommend actually having conversations and being able to have everyone rank the sentiment in terms of how they feel about that technology. There are some things that do the job really well, but everyone hates the platform. So that's not effective. So talk to me about how you're actually scoring and what information you're gathering when you're either doing your quantitative or qualitative feedback. Is there some sort of a value system that you're assigning? Platform works is a five, but people hate it as a one. What's the actual scoring mechanism look like? So having been an Eloqua power user for a decade now, I use the alphanumeric scoring methodology when I'm looking at technology, just because that's the world that I've lived and breathed for a lot of years. And so using the actual catalog and the defined use cases, that is where I assign an ABCD. So you can get really granular and build out a true point system, especially if you are a larger organization with a larger team, smaller companies with fewer technologies, you can do it more anecdotally. But where, you know, A means that technology is totally nailing it when it comes to the job to be done and the features functionality, with a D being it is horrible and totally not effective. And then giving a numeric score of one to four in terms of sentiment. 
So a number one, meaning the sentiment is great and everyone loves the tool, and a four being everyone hates it. So having that alphanumeric score, you are able to see how well the technology actually meets the use case and how well the team likes it. So something that's an A4 means the tech itself actually meets the need very well, but everyone totally hates it. And then the opposite, something that's a D1, doesn't actually serve its purpose, but the team loves it for whatever reason. And that really gives you a good picture of what you have in your technology stack so that you can start to make decisions. Yeah, we went through a process here at the MarTech podcast, moving our product management system from Airtable to Monday.com. And the idea was that we wanted to combine both the ability to catalog all of our content and some of our ad inventory and other things that we were using basically spreadsheets for and put it into a system that we could also tie in a task list for everyone on the team so they could understand what they should be operating on. And we absolutely went from a B1, a tool that served its need relatively well, but everybody loved to an A3 or an A4, a tool that does everything we want, but it's kind of a pain in the ass to use. We're going to talk a little bit more about what to do in that situation by understanding and identifying the gaps in your MarTech stack in our next episode. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Brandy Starr and Mike Geller, COO and CTO of Tegrita for joining us. If you'd like to hear more of Mike and Brandy and Tegrita's tips to driving revenue growth, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we discuss how to identify gaps and overlap in your MarTech stack. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Mike or Brandy, you can find a link to their LinkedIn profiles in our show notes. You can contact them on Twitter. Their handle is Tegrita Group, T-E-G-R-I-T-A-G-R-O-U-P. Or you could visit their company's website, which is Tegrita.com, T-E-G-R-I-T-A.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.